In the name of God, our Creator, in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, in the name of the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer. Amen. <clears throat> I once read an article about ways not to start a sermon, about phrases that will lose one's listeners long before the sermon even gets started. A funny thing happened to me on the way to church this morning, was one of them. Last night, as I tossed and turned in bed at three in the morning trying to figure out just what to say today, was another. And I'll start this sermon with a third such phrase. This morning, I have a confession to make. <laughs> Did I just lose you? I hope not, but I do want to start with a confession. You see, I'm a lifelong Episcopalian. You see, um, some folks like to use the term cradle Episcopalian. Okay, that fits me very well. I like to say that I teased on the pews in the balcony at St. Luke's Church just around the corner from here, and that among the first books I destroyed and ruined with crayons was a pew edition of the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. I remember as a child my father teaching me about reverencing the cross in the processions and my grandmother saying that we as Episcopalians had a tradition of standing to sing and to pray, sitting to listen and be instructed, and kneeling to pray. There is a part of that tradition and the simplicity of it that I miss from time to time. But I have to also say that I value very much the recovery of many ancient liturgical traditions that enhance our worship and our liturgies. I was a very good Episcopalian as a child and as a youth. Before attending seminary, if you had asked me to get my Bible out, I would have had to go into a box or some other storage space, blow the dust off, and look for my red-letter King James Version, which was my childhood Bible given to me by my grandmother in 1961. From my point of view, I would had a very good Sunday school experience up until that time, but to be perfectly honest, I did not know the Bible at all, which is an unfortunate reality of most of those in my generation. So here is my confession. Before seminary, I was biblically illiterate. There, I have said it. I also knew little, if anything, about the Anglican Communion. You see, around these parts, in the 60s, for the most part, it was every parish for itself. The diocese was somewhere up there. The National Church was one of the things that we never spoke about, and what in the world is the Anglican Communion? Boy, haven't we learned a lot in five years. So when I got to seminary, I didn't quite understand why so many of my fellow seminarians were so excited by this guy from England who was coming to the seminary to give a series of lectures on St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. It just so happened that it was the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Most Reverend Donald Coggin, who was to be with us for three lectures. 
Then, when I heard that the audience was expected to be too large for any space on the seminary campus and that we would have to go next door to the gymnasium at Episcopal High School, I figured that this was yet another reason not to attend. Oh, Chuck, you better go. Dr. Fuller, also from Great Britain and our New Testament professor, will certainly be taking role. One of my new friends said to me, I have to tell you, after attending the first lecture, wild horses could not have kept me from returning for the last two. That day, the Archbishop's teachings began a lifelong, long-standing love affair with the Epistle to the Romans. He began with his beautiful British accent, one that we all know and love so well, thank you, Jeffrey, <laughs> by saying, those of you who brought your Bibles today, please open them to the eighth chapter of St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. This is where we will begin. Now, please close your Bibles and just listen. As he read the words written by St. Paul so long ago, they came vividly to life. It was clear that the words were part of the archbishop's very being. He seemed to know not only what the words meant, but also how they should feel as they fell upon our ears. After he finished reading, he paused and then said, This is Paul at his best. Our faith cannot be better expressed. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. I, too, am convinced. We may sometimes struggle with Paul and his first century Pharisaic perspectives and opinions from time to time. However, Paul redeems himself with passages like this morning's and the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And remember, Paul openly admits to his own brokenness, to his own struggles, to his own shortcomings. In this marvelous letter of introduction to the new followers of Christ in Rome, a letter to people he has never seen before but hopes to meet soon, Paul speaks with great confidence and faith. He is convinced. Paul knows in his innermost being and from personal experience the darkness, travail, and despair that can come upon us, and yet he speaks with absolute hope and of the assured salvation for all who seek and serve Christ. And remember, Paul will arrive in Rome not too far in the future, but not as he had planned. He arrives in chains, is imprisoned, and eventually is martyred by Emperor Nero for the very faith that he proclaims to us this morning. You and I follow the same Jesus. Keep the very same faith. Struggle with the very same issues. We say our prayers and work, work to keep our faith, to keep our heads above water. We struggle with the challenges and changes and chances of this life. We make our plans, have our hopes and dreams, our wishes and desires. 
We teach our faith to our children, send our young people off on pilgrimage and mission trips in the name of Jesus, just as we will do in just a few minutes today. And we certainly don't expect to be arrested and carried off to the authorities in some far-off city because of our faith and our ministries to spread the kingdom right here and right now. But Paul was treated this way. I can only believe that his convictions carried him through hardship, mistreatment and persecution, death and right into the kingdom of God. Not only do I believe this, I am convinced that Paul points beyond himself to the kingdom of God and to our Savior. Paul has helped me to know Jesus, who is my companion along the way, who saves me now and will stand beside me on the last day. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, let me confess a bit more. I'm so very thankful that God has given me life. I'm so very thankful that God has brought me to this place in my life. I am so very thankful to have the opportunity to fulfill my commitment to care for and honor my beloved Susie hour and hour and day by day in sickness and in health, for better and for worse. I am so thankful to be here among you in this place with you this morning and to know that Jesus is among us. It may be that some of you are growing tired of my references to Susie's fall off the mountain, as she refers to it, four months ago. Please stick with me for a bit longer. Anyone who has experienced this kind of event in his or her life knows how drastically it changes everything. And a good therapist has said that speaking about it is healing for me and for us. Those who have not experienced such a trauma, my prayer for you is that you will never have to do so. But just in case you do, please listen. I have written some of this in the Caring Bridge Journal. Some of you have been following, but I think it's worth repeating today. I am convinced that as Susie rolled off the ledge, God was with her and would be with her no matter what the outcome. I am convinced that as I ran down the side of the gorge, God was with me. I could easily have fallen and been injured myself. I am convinced that God guided me and helped me remember all the first aid skills I have learned but never had to use before. I am convinced that God heard and answered my prayers for physical strength to hold Susie from falling any further, sent the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen me when my physical strength was failing and to help me overcome my great fear of significant bleeding. I am convinced in the midst of her critical injury and overwhelming pain, God led Susie to deeply smell the sweet odor of the precious earth beneath her. To hear her tell that story brings tear, brought tears to my eyes. I didn't hear it for weeks. I am convinced that in that moment, God connected Susie to the creation and, to ga and give, gave her comfort in that connection. I am convinced from that time on the hillside in every moment since right until this moment, Susie and I and you and you have been held and will be held closely in the loving arms of our Savior Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. 
And I am convinced that once we all know this and live out of it, we are empowered to do marvelous things to further the kingdom in this time and in this place. I am convinced of that. When my father died in 1999, St. Luke's was undergoing a major renovation of its nave. This parish, All Saints Church, extended wonderful and faithful hospitality to those in need of a place for the celebration of new life, be it a wedding or a funeral. And so this physical space, this community of faith, and the people who live here and work here lived out the gospel in welcoming my family, basically strangers, in faith and in service as we celebrated my father's life here among us and his entrance into God's kingdom with all the saints. There are those in my family who, who had a bit of a struggle with my not being willing nor wanting to officiate at my father's funeral. I just wanted to be a son, his child, not the pastor. But I did want to do one thing. I wanted to read from the eighth chapter of Romans. And that was the last time at that very lectern I read these words in a liturgical setting. Okay. I have made my confession, but now more importantly, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. It is my prayer that God convinces you too of this. Amen.